the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. And uh, you can feel free to take a seat at this point if you'd like as we, as we jump into the Word together. So, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 20 is where we'll be, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this passage about the kingdom of heaven. And he tells a story. And the purpose of this story is to describe the kingdom of heaven to his disciples. Uh, It's not just telling a story for the sake of telling a story. He's not just telling a story um, to illustrate a moral principle, to tell us how we should behave and how we should live. That's not the only point. He wants us to have a deeper understanding of the kingdom of heaven. So jumping in, uh, Matthew chapter 20, just starting in verse 1, we'll read from uh, 1 through 16. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. So before we spend a lot of time talking about Uh, what the kingdom of heaven is like, let's take just a moment and talk about what the kingdom of heaven is so that we're starting out on the same page, moving forward and unpacking this scripture. So I remember a time when I thought that the kingdom of heaven meant the same thing as heaven, the place. But there's, there's actually a little bit more to it than that. And the main idea here that we get from all of the other places in Scripture that talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the main idea is that it is everywhere where Christ rules and reigns. So, in Luke 17, Jesus says, Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And also, Uh, John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ's ministry preached and said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is near. So when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven in this passage, 
we shouldn't just be thinking in terms of heaven, the place where God is and the place where uh, Christians will go when they die. We're thinking about everywhere where Christ rules and reigns. It is in the midst of us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's this sense that it is here with us in the here and now, today, where we are. And Jesus opens this story by saying the kingdom of heaven is like. So this whole story is a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And really, one of the ways you could think of um, our study today or some of the questions we're going to be asking and answering, what can we expect with Christ as king? What does his sovereign reign look like? If I turn from my sin and ask for forgiveness and I trust in Jesus, what can I expect in that new kingdom that I'm stepping into? How does God rule? So in summary, if you weren't tracking or you missed it, um, what we just read, what we have here is a, a master of a vineyard. He hires these workers early in the morning and agrees on a denarius a day. And a denarius is equal to a day's wage. So this is a, this is a fair deal. Well, they go and they start working. And then throughout the day, periodically, he hires and sends other workers into his vineyard. And then at the end of the day, he lines them up to pay them. And he starts with the guys who just worked one hour, one hour out of the whole day. And he gives them a denarius. And then they go down the line and they pay the other workers until they eventually get to the people who worked from the very beginning of the day. And they saw those guys get overpaid in their minds, and they're hoping and expecting to receive more. But no, they receive a denarius. And so they're frustrated, they're angry, and they confront the owner of the vineyard. And the owner of the vineyard um, basically tells them, hey, we agreed on this. I'm upholding my end of the bargain. Uh, This is my money to give and to be generous with. Why would you have an issue with that? So that's the, the kind of story that Jesus is laying out here to his disciples. And again, a a denarius was equal to a day's wage. So nobody's getting ripped off here. Nobody's getting taken advantage of. This this first group of workers that were hoping for more, this denarius that they received, it was the amount that they received for jobs like this in the past. It was the amount that they were expecting from jobs like this tomorrow when they go to work. So it wasn't an unfair deal. Now, this was a fair deal when they agreed on it. It was a fair deal while they were working. It was a fair deal when they lined up to receive their pay. But as soon as they saw what the other guy was making, jealousy and envy stirred up in their hearts, and they became, they became um, discontent and selfish. And, and we see that in how they confronted the, the master of the vineyard who's paying them their wages. So this frustration didn't come from an actual injustice, but from envy and from selfishness in these workers. And we're going to be looking at three main things that stand out about the kingdom of heaven in this passage, three main ideas or characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. And this leads us to the the first characteristic that we see. I'll admit it is not the primary characteristic, but it is something that we need to note of and be aware of and understand. And that's that, number one, in the kingdom of heaven, Christ has authority. Now, some of you listening might, um, 
might tense up thinking about this idea of authority, or maybe you're just not completely sold on the idea of somebody else or something else having authority in your life, and it might not sit well, but hang on for just a couple of minutes, and I promise we're going to get to why this is actually a really, really, really good thing, okay? So look at verse 15. The master of the vineyard, he asks, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? The obvious answer to the question is, yes, he is allowed to do as he chooses with what belongs to him. He owns the vineyard, and he can choose how many workers to hire. He can choose when to hire them and when to send them to work. He can uh, negotiate the wage. And if he wants to give generously, he can give generously. So essentially, when the owner of the vineyard is confronted, his response, his response is, he's kind of saying, I can do what I want. This is, these are my resources. We entered into a deal together. Um, I'm not breaking any moral law here. Uh, I'm not doing any wrong. And I can do what I want. Now, in the, in the vineyard, the master of the vineyard has this authority. And in the kingdom of heaven, God rules, God reigns, and he has authority in the kingdom of heaven. In Colossians uh, 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So all things were created through Christ and for Christ. Now again, uh, maybe there are some of us here today where we're just a little on edge hearing about uh, authority, and I get it, and I know why, and I'll tell you why. It's because... We've heard people say this before. We've, we've heard this attitude before of, I can do what I want. And how many times have we seen that work out well? How many times has it worked out well for you? You know, calling family and, uh, hey, when are you going to be home? You know, I was thinking about it, and I think I'm just going to do what I want. It doesn't go over well. I do what I want gets us into trouble. I do what I want turns small things that we think aren't a problem, that we think are hidden from the world. I do what I want turns those into addiction and broken families and children growing up without mothers and fathers. I do what I want leads to destruction and murder. I do what I want doesn't work out well in the world. But this isn't the whole story here. Because we're not just concerned or interested in Christ's authority. We're also very interested in how he chooses to use that authority. So that'll be the second thing that we, we look at, the second characteristic of the kingdom of heaven. First, we had that in the kingdom of heaven, Christ has authority. And then the second thing here is in the kingdom of heaven, Christ gives generously. So what does the master of the vineyard do with his authority? Well, I'll tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't say, hey, I can do what I want, so I'm going to take advantage of these workers. I'm going to do what I want, so um, I'm going to be unfair. 
I'm going to do what I want, so um, I'm not going to pay you what I said I was going to pay you. You know, there's being fair and then there's being unfair. And that's usually how I can do what I want is used in the world, to be unfair. The master of the vineyard here uses I can do what I want, not just to be fair, but to be more than fair, to be gracious, to be generous. He says, I can do what I want, and I want to give these workers extra, more than they earned, more than they deserved. I want these workers to go home to their families, and I want them to tell the story about how they waited in the market all day for work. They're trying to provide for their families. They're trying to find work. And nothing came around until the very last hour. And they worked an hour out of the whole day. And this guy gave them an entire day's wage. That's what I want to do. So I can do what I want with my resources. And that's what I want to do. That's what I choose to do. I choose to give generously. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That is what our king, Jesus, is like. And we probably all have stories or just things that come to mind where somebody was incredibly generous to us. I remember a time when uh, I was invited to go with my with a friend on his family vacation to Hawaii. And it didn't take long to think about that and decide if I wanted to go or not. Um, and then they called me and they said, hey, my dad works for Alaska Airlines. We got some like Sky Miles things worked up. So don't worry about the plane ticket. Oh, my goodness. It was so cool. I was, um, you know, a broke 20-year-old, and so it made sense to me. Um, and then they told me, hey, we're just going to, um, we got uh, th- this whole block of rooms reserved, so we're covering all of that. Don't worry about it. Oh, we're also doing all the grocery shopping. We're just going to eat meals as a group. Don't worry about that. And then uh, we get there. We get the itinerary. Oh, we're going to this luau on Tuesday and then zip lining this day, and don't worry about it. We got, we got it covered. And there was honestly a point where I'm sitting in this fish house and they're picking up the bill and I'm just like, I'm almost feeling guilty looking at the menu because of the prices of some of these. Hey, swordfish ain't cheap, I'll tell you that. But I remember this trip not just because it was a fun time and we got to do all these cool and exciting things. Honestly, I remember this trip now because again and again and again, they just kept showing generosity to me. And it made an impact. It stood out. So now I choose, now I remember that trip and that time in this family because of how they chose to willingly use their resources and their ability and their, their power to bless somebody else. Somebody not even in their family. So remember how we talked about stepping into the kingdom of heaven. I touched on that briefly in passing. When you become a believer, you enter into the kingdom of heaven. And there's this transfer of authority where we surrender to God. And we say, okay, God, I know that when I call the shots in my own life, it doesn't work well. When I say I can do what I want, it, has, it doesn't work well. It leads to death and destruction and chaos. So God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want for my life. Maybe you remember a time like that that felt like full surrender. And maybe little by little since then, um, if you're like myself, I know I am like this. I can get like this. Little by little over time, we decide that in smaller areas, eh, we we can do what we want. 
We've started trying to call the shots in our life again. Or maybe you've never given authority of your life over to God because you thought that you would be missing out and losing, or maybe you were afraid of it. Or if you're honest, you'd just rather stay in charge because you're more qualified for the job in your mind. But I want you to know that when we transfer this authority to Christ, when we trust in him for forgiveness and salvation, and we enter into the kingdom of heaven, that is the best thing for you. Because there's never been a more generous person on earth. There's never been a person in all of history who has used their authority more graciously, more generously. Now, the third thing that we see about the kingdom of heaven, we do learn something about ourselves from this story. And that's the third thing, is that our efforts don't earn your place in the kingdom of heaven. Let's just read verses 15 and 16 again to refresh our memory. The master of the vineyard says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. That's an interesting phrase. The last will be first and the first last. And I'll tell you what this is, but but first I'll tell you what it isn't. It's not like a line of people waiting uh, to get into Best Buy on Black Friday, and you've got the guy at the very front of the line and the guy at the very back of the line, and you do an old switcheroo and you you swap places. No, so the, the last worker and the first worker, they were paid the same. So there's not this idea of uh, polar opposites here. There's this idea of similarity or the, the two are interchangeable. The two are the same. The point here is that in the kingdom of heaven, your efforts don't put you on some type of a scoreboard for the grace and the generosity that Christ offers. You don't become more worthy of God's grace. And I'll tell you what, it's interesting too that it seems like that group of workers who worked all day in, in, the, in the sun and they bore the, the, whole, the burden of the whole day, it almost seems like they're asking for something so good and so fair. Um, they, they, want, they want the master of the vineyard to do the math. You know, calculate what rate you gave those guys per hour and, and do, run the same calculation for, for our wages. It almost sounds fair. But in the kingdom of heaven, you really do not want that. You do not want what you deserve. It would not be good for us if we got what we deserved. Because through reading the rest of scripture, it becomes so very clear to us what we deserve. The wages of sin is death. And no matter how good of a person some of us might think we are, we all fall short, we all sin, and none of us deserve the grace that God extends to us. 
So in a sense, we are all like that worker who worked one hour in the vineyard. And there was nothing that we could have done in that one hour that would have earned that full day's wage that was paid to us. Now, I'm not saying that it absolutely doesn't matter how you live your life, but I'm saying that God's gift of eternal life to you is not dependent on your actions. In my own family, uh, it was actually my my grandpa. Uh, I have no memory of him, but I know that he lived a life that was just in open rebellion to God. And he uh, was abusive and an alcoholic and just left a wake of destruction behind him. Damaged, damaged a lot of people and was um, the farthest thing from your mind when you thought of uh, a life that would honor God. And he would probably be the, the person you would least expect to turn to Christ. But literally on his deathbed, as he was conscious but unable to speak, he was surrounded by people who preached the, the gospel to him, who prayed with him, and who spent day after day after day doing this with him. And uh, shortly before he passed, with tears in his eyes and a small nod of his head, um, he accepted Christ as his Savior. And he, he repented, and he put his faith in what Christ had done. The gift of eternal life and forgiveness, your place in the kingdom of heaven, your place in the family of God is not dependent on how good you are or how good you have been. It all hinges on how gracious God is and what he's given you. And there may be people who from their earliest years have lived a life um, doing their best to honor God, to please God, to live generously, to love others. And then there are those people who maybe it's, maybe it's that uh, the 11th hour. And it's at some point much later in life that they, they turn to God. No matter which end of the spectrum you look at, both need the grace of God and God offers his grace to everyone on either end and in between without you having to jump through hoops to earn that. Now, this is an incredible story that we read about the kingdom of heaven and the vineyard and the workers and how um, how how God reigns in the kingdom of heaven and how generous he is in the kingdom of heaven. But uh, we're not going to do a deep dive into this, but just uh, the next couple of verses, 17 through 19, Jesus ends this parable, this story, and it says, and Jesus, and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the the 12 disciples aside and on the way he said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. 
the death that, that Jesus is describing is his own. He doesn't just know about it. He planned it. He chose it. And he did it on our behalf. And if you don't like the idea of giving God authority over your life, can I just show you that this is what God does with his authority. He uses his authority to lay down his life for your sake. He uses his authority to heal relationships and families. He uses his authority to forgive, to, that you might be made whole, redeemed, and that you might spend eternity with him. So whether it's this sense of maybe returning in a place in your heart, returning to a place where uh, you acknowledge God's rule and reign again, knowing that he is good and that he is gracious and that you can trust him with your life and seeking in all areas of your life, God, where, 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 where are some areas that maybe I've kind of chose to grip onto again and that I'm not releasing to you? Maybe there's just something that I keep going back to that nobody needs to convince me that it's wrong because I know that it's wrong. And I know that it's destructive, but I've just chosen to keep this part of my life secret or just keep it a part of my life. And I'm not turning it over to you. I'm not letting you work through this situation. If that's something that's on your heart today, that maybe you just need to return to seeing God's goodness, thanking him for that, and allowing him to, to rule in your heart. then I just hope that this is an encouragement to you, a reminder to you that God is for you and that he uses his power and he uses his authority for your good. And maybe you're here and you've never done that. Uh, Maybe you you are afraid of what that looks like to give over authority of your life. Or maybe... Maybe you think that you just have better options, that you're not that concerned about it. You're enjoying life as you're living it, and you don't see the need. Again, I just want to, the same encouragement, just to see see what God has done, see what God has provided, because Christ is telling this story not just so that people know, oh, God's pretty good if you, you know, there's this, this story of this, this worker, he works an hour and he gets a, a couple hundred bucks um, for, a, for a whole day's work when he only worked an hour. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, sweet. Let's go home. No, God is saying, I have authority and I don't just want to give a couple hundred bucks. I have authority and I want to make things right in the world. I have this authority and uh, I don't just want to send you home with a full day's wage. I want to send you home uh, with your soul secure for eternity. And it's not just going to cost me a couple hundred bucks. It's going to cost me my life. But I choose to do that because I love the people that I have created. I desire for them to, uh, to spend eternity with me. And I desire and deserve the glory that they give. So maybe that is you this morning where you have not 
ever in your life before taken that step of faith and chose to rely on Jesus and not yourself. It's very simple. Christ calls us to repentance, to turn from our sinful ways and to turn towards Christ and to put our faith and our trust in him for what he has accomplished on the cross for our salvation. And I just ask that you would consider making that choice today, turning from the life that you've lived and trusting in Christ. And that's something that's between you and God, not something that's between me and you or you or anybody else here or anybody sitting next to you. It's between you and Christ. And I just ask that um, you would consider talking to God right now as we close, making that decision, and then connecting with myself or anybody else on our leadership team just to let us know so that we can get you connected and plugged in and walk with you as you begin that journey. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for how good you are, for how gracious you are.